Hello and welcome to The Life Pod, hosted by Michael Panay and Karim Dow, brought to you by MK Enterprises, a community based on discussing life topics and driving continual personal development and growth. Send through any topics you want covered and be sure to follow and tag us on all social media at MK Enterprises. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Life Pod. Today we have on Jesse Williams. Seven figure business mentor and entrepreneur. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank um, you yeah. for having me. Even, even saying that, <laughs> even even saying that, like seven figure, like we really forget how much of a big number that is. A lot of people, I feel like it's especially in today's day and age of entrepreneurship and startups, making a six figure business. I'm going to use this very loosely. It's not that hard. Let's just put it that way. But then to go from there to adding another zero is. A big journey. And I actually saw one of your posts saying you th- you sort of think the opposite. Like the first hundred or the f- the first hundred thousand easier, but then going from like two fifty to the seven figures actually easier. And we'll dive into that later. But for those small people in Melbourne, Australia, across the world who don't know who Jesse Williams is, please, who is Jesse? <laughs> So I am a business mentor. Uh, So a lot of what I do is more um, in the online space and a lot of my work actually comes from a little bit of a mindset lens. So even though I'm doing a lot of business stuff and I'm I'm passionate about strategy and things like that, I also do a lot of work on supporting the human behind the business. So the most basic example I would give is if a strategy for someone is to increase visibility on their social media, but they have a block around confidence or they're afraid of, you know, using their voice or people disagree agreeing or they're afraid of cancel culture, they're not going to show up and they're not going to speak because that confidence is a block. I work through the confident block so they can actually apply the strategy and execute the strategy. So a lot of what I do is supporting the human and supporting the, the growth of the business strategically. Um, and then I also, um, you know, have recently co-founded another company with my best friend, which is um, we do more like personal development and business retreats and things like that. And we also have some side avenues of that um, business, which will be coming out soon. It's very exciting. That's- Fucking sick. I, I think in recent times, sorry, mate. You're right. <laughs> I think in recent times with, you know, the shift in people wanting to be successful and start their businesses, there, there's there been a realisation that there's more to it than just the business and it's the individual behind it. And I think it's really good, again, you know, for, for yourself to come in. Do you target more so women than men or are you both or? Um, I've naturally attracted a lot of females into my work, but I'm not exclusive to females. So I would say I have more males in courses, masterclasses and things like that than private clients. And I think that comes from a background of when I first came into the space, I actually have a background as I was a personal trainer. So I was a PT and I actually used to exclusively coach women. And then when I came in on the online space, I would exclusively coach women in the health space. And as I've evolved and, you know, eventually moved into business, I naturally had a very, very strong female audience. So that's where a lot of my clients are. Um, but I, I absolutely coach anyone. With that, <clears throat> when even when you were a PT, did that just come from like, this is my niche, I just want to coach females? Like, did that stem from something? Did it naturally sort of happen and then you made it exclusive? How did that sort of happen? Yeah, so good question. When I started in that, I did coach both. Um, and what kind of happened was I felt like... I felt more in integrity coaching women because it felt like an industry that was so personalized. And a lot of what I was doing, even when I was a PT, it was always mindset stuff and things like that. And, you know, cycle syncing and things. And and I really felt while I 
can have the knowledge and the the execution for males of how to train and you know hypertrophy growing their muscles whatever they want to do it felt like but I don't have experience of what it's like to train like that I don't have experience of a lot of things I can't relate to a lot of things whereas with women it's like I feel so in integrity you know teaching you certain methods or training you because I actually know what it's what it feels like to you know train around your cycle or to have your energy levels dip and things like that would you say a very simple way to put that is you just felt aligned yeah yeah yeah, absolutely it was more like just an alignment piece and a more open flow of even conversation and one thing i was going to say before we got into this was i saw that you and oscar starting something together as well is that did i misread it i is that right? Yes and no. So um, basically it'll be more under the umbrella of my business in, in the coaching space, but we're going to do an offer together, which is super exciting. So um, it's called It Takes Two and it's basically going to be a relationship offer. So it's for people to kind of like, we want to speak and, and I guess just riff on our take on relationships. And we see a lot of people that, you know, have a lot of, um, I guess discomfort and conflict in their relationship that we believe doesn't need to be there because a lot of people don't know how to like communicate or, you know, dissolve their ego or speak their needs and things like that. So we want to speak to our perspective on relationships because like, you know, we believe we have a good one. Um, and then we're also going to open up like an anonymous Q and a and things like that. So I'm pretty excited for that. Very exciting. And it's, it's funny you touched on that because a massive thing these days is, you know, on the path of success is having that right person next to you. It's mm. definitely like really, really important. I was having this conversation yesterday with my parents and my brother and like, you know, like, oh, like why don't you have a girlfriend? I'm like, well, I feel like I'm not in a position where I can give a lot of myself to somebody else. Mm. And obviously I know that you and Oscar have been dating for quite some time now. So how did you guys find that? It's like, obviously you're super busy doing a bunch of things, probably doing 70 hour weeks and she's probably doing the same, if not more. So it's like, I feel like I know the answer. It comes down to understanding, but it's like how, because I feel like in today's day and age, especially the people that are a little bit younger, they go, well, this is my partner. I want to spend time with them. I want to go to the movies. And it's like, well, but if you're both super busy trying to, you know, make it quote unquote, where's that ballad? Where's that fine line? Yeah, it's a really good question. So for me, and I would say for Oscar as well, it's always been about quality Mm. over quantity. Mm. So Oscar, when we met, works a lot more than what he does now. So he was getting up at about 4am. He he wouldn't be home till about 9pm. And that would be definitely six, sometimes seven days a week. But when we were together, uh, he was so incredibly present and he put any last amount of energy that he had into making our relationship feel really fulfilling. And the other thing that he was incredibly good at was, was making me feel like I was the first priority. So even though work was like a lot of hours and a lot of building, I always felt number one and he always made me feel number one. Um, and vice versa when, you know, I was working and I was building, I think we both have, it's a lot of understanding and and things like that, as you said, but I think a huge part is a a lot of couples lack intentionality and lack presence. So what happens when you go and you do the 70 hour week, you spend time together and I'm doing that in air quotation marks. You spend time together, but you're both, you know, scrolling on your phones next to each other and things like that. That doesn't leave you feeling full. That leaves you feeling empty. That leaves you feeling disconnected. And I think a lot of people can convince themselves they're spending time with their partner because their physical bodies are in the same room, but actually mentally, emotionally, physically, there's no connection there. So for us, it's very much about when we're together, we're together, we're having deep conversations, powerful conversations. We're making eye contact, we're present. And you know, we're not just scrolling on our phones. And if we are, that's <coughs> not time we're spending together. That's just like 
additional overflow time. So I think the biggest thing is even early days when when we didn't have a lot of time together, when we did, it was just very, very intentional time. Those things that you've just stated there, like when you identify them, they're massive things. How did you, did you guys, when you first started, is that something you worked out gradually? And if so, like over a period of time or... Was it just like straight away, this is what's happening, this is this, and then this is how we have to go? Or was it more of, you know, you guys were together for 12 months, you guys were f- together for two years and you found the issues and then hit the speed bump. Hit the, you know, hit the speed bumps and then shifted, you know, together and moved forward? Or was it more of a boom, we understand what we want and then straight forward? It was a bit of both. So I would say the first thing is when we met from day dot, we had like a lot of alignment in our values. So we had a lot of similar values. We were both, you know, driven, hungry, ambitious. And even at that time when we actually met, I was still finishing. I actually, when we met, I had just finished my university degree. So I was hungry to just like absolutely kill it in the corporate world. Like that was my thing. And and I was ambitious and I was ready to just like do what I needed to do to get to the top. So when we were PT, sorry. Yeah, so I was a PT probably about five years ago. Okay. So I only lasted in corporate. I say lasted, but I, I only stayed in corporate <clears> for around 12 months. Could have even been a bit less. And then um, I, I changed and I pivoted and I was like, yeah, I've just done a three-year degree. only worked for 12 months and <laughs> yeah, me- wiped my hands clean and, and moved on to the next thing. So This is another thing we've spoken about with previous guests and it happens every time. So it's like you did your degree, thought you loved it, jumped in, didn't actually like it that much. What was the turning point? And then why PT? Why not? Um, I know graphic design. I don't know. Let's say. Yeah. So. And then, I, so, and then the same thing when you go from PT, what made you go, no, I want to do this. Okay, cool. So um, <coughs> for background context, I, in high school, kind of got a, a bit overweight. And then, so I got into health to manage, you know, looking after my body basically. And then I fell so madly in love with it that I was like passionate with it. And, you know, I love making recipes and I love going to the gym. And I was like one of those people that was just like super, super health freak, but I never saw that as a career opportunity. Just had never even considered that you can do something that you like, you just do what you do. And I'd always had a vision of, I wanted to be in, when I was little, I wanted to be an author. And then when when I grew up, I was like, okay, I'm not going to make money off being an author and, and what's the next closest thing. And it was like journalism and PR. That was kind of the industry. So I was laser focused all through school of that was the goal. And I was so tunnel vision. I didn't actually open my mind to there being another opportunity. And then when I actually finished my degree and I started working I remember that I didn't love the culture and I work for arguably one of the best PR companies, I would say in Australia, their work culture was incredible. They had amazing clients. Um, they were like the team I work with were just the most amazing people. And I was still left feeling unhappy. And I was like, I can't just get another job because I've got the best job in this space. And I was feeling, you know, not fully passionate. And then it's going to sound funny, but like this is, it, it just is what it is. I had a dream that I was a personal trainer and it wasn't a normal dream where it's like, oh, that's cool. It felt like a dream that was telling me and showing me the path I was supposed to be on. And I woke up the next morning and it was like, you know, those dreams that are so vivid, like so real. Remember every detail. And I was living at home at the time and I came out to my mum and I was like, I've got to be a PT. Like I just dreamt it. And I, I know and I can see that path for me and I've got to do that. And my mum's, you know, I've just done the university degree and I'm working my way up the corporate world and mum just looked at me and she was a bit shocked and she goes, 
I trust you. I just, I trust that you know what you've got to do. And I was with Oscar. We hadn't even, I don't even think we were boyfriend, girlfriend at this time. We were just dating. And then I remember looking into doing a PT course and it was like $4,000. I didn't have that to my name. And when you've already studied, the government doesn't give you as much help to study again. It's harder to get nope. hex. You've got to, you've got to pay your own uh. way. <laughs> and I remember talking to Oscar about it. And I was like, I want to change my path. I've got no money. And um, that night I came home and he'd bought me a hoodie, like a jumper. And he's like, it on and I tried it on and put my hands in the pockets and four thousand dollars cash <laughs> sitting in the pockets and at this time that was every dollar he had to his name at that time so how so, old are you and how old was he at this point um I would have been 22 <clears throat> or 23 yep. so he would have been like 24 I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So very, it was a huge moment. I remember him saying, you know, if we don't, you know, last as a couple, like, I don't want you to ever feel pressure to pay me back. And I just, I see what you're capable of and I know you should be doing this. And yeah, it was, it was a really cool moment. I think that empowerment from your mom is so huge. And my, my parents have always been the same. Like it's coming from an ethnic background that you again, they were the same, like what PT, like they didn't really understand it at the point in time, but then you tell them and then, when they just go, you know what? I know you can, and I know you, if this is what feels right, then do it. That in itself is such a big push forward compared to going up against a roadblock. They go, no, you shouldn't do it. No, just stay corporate. And it's like, well, mm. now I feel trapped <clears throat> in this thing, but I know what I want to do and feel like I should do, and now I'm fighting against myself, and I feel like it pulls you in two different directions. I feel like that's why a lot of people are scared to take that jump because they don't have that self-belief, but then also they're sort of, let's use the word here again, loosely, circle isn't giving them that push to go, you know what? Take the leap and do it. And it's not just this, that there, you know, it's an extra thing of confidence with you moving forward when you know that your parents are alongside you and, you know, uh, there for you and your road to success. It's really interesting though, that whole, that whole situation with Oscar giving him, you know, giving, sorry, giving you the money and everything like that. And then you going off and becoming a PT because in today, in today's mon- day, did you give him the money back? I think I, so that, oh my God, I love that you asked that question. So I paid him back like, uh, I think like maybe either $1,500 or $2,000 of it in like $500 installments. And then I was like- Plus interest. <laughs> and then I was like- I'll school to charge We're interest. good, you're not going anywhere and you don't need the money back. It's fine, it's, it's fine, fine, it's fine. It's fine. And, um, then, so you, and then how long did you do that for? And then what was the transition you go, you know what, I actually don't like this anymore. I want to do this. Yeah, so um, after qualified PT, working in that, um, it was a bit of an evolution. So it was funny. I I kept getting more um, clients from my um, Instagram than I did through the gym floor. And and where PTs typically get their clients is gym floor, you know, going up, offering free sessions, like doing all the things like that. And I was like, I'm getting more people online. Why don't I just move online? So I kept doing the in-person PT stuff, but then I gradually moved online as well. So I was doing 50-50 and then COVID happened (laughs) and I'd been working at at this point. And by this point, my online business had grown 50-50 equal. So 50% of my revenue was coming from the floor, 50% online, gyms closed overnight. And I remember saying to Oscar, I'm either going to drown or I'm going to fucking swim right now. And I hired a business mentor and I was like, I don't want to be a victim to, I don't know how long this is going to be. I don't know how this is going to change the industry. And I don't want to just like sit and ride the wave of a dip in my income or a dip in my business. So I hired a business mentor at that time, really, really grew my business, basically got my business to a point. I was doing consecutive $25,000, $35,000 a month online, like all exclusively online. 
And people started messaging me, how are you doing this? Can you support me? Can you help me? And I was like, no, 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 no. Um, And then I was doing a lot of mindset stuff. And then eventually one day I was just like, yeah, I can help you on the side. Like I can help you Mm. build your business. And so I took my first business client on the side and then, you know, word of mouth started and then more and then more and more. And then I got to a point where I had like half business clients, half, you know, health clients, but all the business was from word of mouth. I wasn't even talking about it on my socials. Were you charging for it at this point? I was charging for it, yeah. And then um, and then it got to a point where I was like, I want to do this. Like I actually feel like this is my calling. And, and as you guys know, I've come from a very, very mindset background. I was like, I get to do mindset and the business and the part of me that loves strategy and numbers, yet I also get to support the human and do the mindset stuff. Like I actually can do both. Um, And then so from there, it was just like a very, very natural progression. And the online business clients just kept building and building. And then I just decided to let the health side of things go. That's sick. And then how long have you been in this industry for now? Um, I would say exclusively here for like two years. Wow. Wow. Maybe less. What's and what's the next step for Jesse Williams in this space? So what do you what are your plans? What do you want to do with the business? Yeah, so With the business, I just want to keep building and refining and I would say getting better at my my craft and just growing it. Like it feels like everything now is is really stable and something I've been having conversations with clients about is I'm at a level where I don't actually believe if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I believe if it's working – How can you make it better? So everything that I'm doing in that business is, okay, sales are good. How could sales be better? Client relationships are deep. How could I deepen those client relationships? Like everything's like elevating the experience. Being proactive too because people just get comfortable and like, oh yeah, I'm making good money. That's it. Done now. Yeah, yeah, 100%. We get complacent. Yeah, it's like really coming into a state of proactivity as opposed to reactivity in my business where it's like I'm not putting out fires. I'm looking 10 steps ahead. Um, but I would say from that, my vision right now is to branch out from being a, mis- a business mentor into more entrepreneurship. Now, sorry, can I ask a question? Um, I'd love to get sort of a breakdown of how mentoring actually works. If I have a business, I come to you, like what are the steps behind it? So then that way like listeners can get a gauge of how it all works. Do you specify in only one business or are you ranging in industries? Um, I range in industries and every business mentor is going to have a different specialty or a different niche. So there's going to be people that specialize in Facebook ads, in, you know, building out funnels, in websites, in in organic marketing, strategy, mindset, like so many different things. So it's really, I would say what I try to let my social media be is a reflection of my style. And then I'm always open to having conversations. So people will either fill out an application form or DM me and I'll just say, Hey, where are you at in business? What are you doing? How much are you making? What are your blocks? Why are you being drawn to mentorship? What do you want to work on? Like we just have a bit of a conversation and then I'll either be like, hey, I don't feel this is the best fit. Here's a mentor that I think is great for you or that's amazing. But I think what you actually need is a course like because they want actual more learning. And I'm like, here's a course or which you provide, which which I can provide or it can be, um, hey, this is great. Like, let's do it. And and it's just starting up. So in terms of what I actually do, um, as as I kind of alluded to, it's the mindset stuff and it's the business stuff. So I have some clients come to me and they're launching something, a product, an offer, whatever, and they want support with that. And then I'll have clients plug in and stuff's going on in their personal life and they're feeling like they want to lean out of their business and they're struggling to show up because they're feeling like they're not authentic if they're not happy online and all the things. And it's very much supporting and holding their human through that time of their life as well. And some people use it more for strategy. Some people use it more for mindset and it just depends. 
And just from that, have you noticed there's a specific type of business that normally gravitates towards you? Is it startups? Is it people who sell cups? Is it like, you know, have you noticed anything? Yeah, I would say I get a lot of coaches. So that can be other business coaches. Um, it can also be a lot of like fitness professionals, people doing mindset coaching, <clears throat> um, things like that. But I also tend to attract a lot of people in the beauty space. So hairdressers, um, brow techs, lash artists, like things like that as well. And then you've got... A coach yourself, don't you? I do have a coach myself. So and then she I've has got a two. Coach. I've got two. Yeah, yeah. So important. Yeah. yeah. I think <clears throat> my biggest take home from that, and because I've got a coach myself, is a lot of people think, oh, I'm just going to hire, and this goes with anything. I'm going to hire a PT or I'm going to hire a business coach. And I go, yep, it's going to fix everything. But it's like they tell you do ABC and you have to actually do ABC. Well, it's you, like if you're a PT. Yeah. If you're not if you're not complying with the diet that you've given that person, you're not going to lose weight. You won't yeah. you won't get the result, and that's I feel like that's such a big thing because it's very common. Like, yeah, I'm just going to hire myself a coach, and then my business is going to be you know making six figures. Not really. Yeah. <laughs> not really. Yeah. yeah. So true. And I think another conversation around that is while it's great to hire a coach just off their skill set or their testimonials or what they've done for other people, I think the best outcomes happen when there's a relationship between client coach. So if you don't um, align with your coach's values, if the way that you communicate, your communication style, the personality, you talk and it's awkward, you don't have the same humor, like you just never get to have the level of depth that if you, you know, align and communicate and as humans, you actually get along really, really well, the container can go so much deeper and you can actually get more out of it too do you find that usually though is a pushback from the client because as a coach you, you should, well, as a coach you have to be somewhat flexible to different personalities um well i feel that i've earned the right to be picky so yeah which is completely fair you yeah. earn your stripes 100 yeah. yeah so i feel like early days you do have to be flexible and it's you like, have to be i'm not dealing with you today <laughs> yeah yeah you have to be willing to to and then you get to a level where it's like i believe that you earn the ability to be picky where it's like I have cancelled client containers before because it, it, the flow, it was conversations I didn't want to have and my business was doing well enough that I didn't have to rely on having those conversations. Yeah, that's something I learned from Reese Livingstone in terms of just niching in general in business. Like if you're still starting up and you haven't got like just leads flooding your door, he's like, you can't really be picky. So when you're at that point, like I said, where leads are coming in, you don't really need the money, then you can start to be picky and actually branch out and be very exclusive. But until then, and you've got lots of money coming in and you're not worried about it, then... Like then you can start going, you know, like they say in America, uh, riches are in the niches mm. type thing. I agree. I'm not sure how deep you go into the sense of helping, you know, your clients out when they're going through things personally, but from, you know, an external perspective, how, I just got a question. How do you, do you ever find yourself or have you found yourself in the situation where people have gone through things that you personally haven't gone through in your business, in your business or whether in life? And it's a little bit difficult to sort of help them in that situation. That's a great question. Yes, it happens. Um, but <clears throat> I, I just, I will teach it or coach it from my perspective of like getting more out of them. So I'll just ask them, you know, how is that making you feel? And where is that a mirror? Or like, I would just coach them how I would coach them through anything else. So while sometimes it can be easier if you've been through something. Sometimes it's also beneficial if you haven't because when you've been through something, sometimes you can have personal bias where it's like, oh, I went through this so the solution's going to be the same and, and people can get very, very clouded by... very good point. Yeah, so sometimes there's an aspect of like, oh, I can stay very, very neutral in this because I don't have emotional charge from experience. <laughs> very good point. And I, I saw that you work a lot with what you call blind spots. And so that's something I feel like every business owner or if just any, even anyone, even if you're just a 
kid at uni, you're studying, you're going to have things that you, like you hit a bit of a roadblock and that's what you call blind spots. And how do you uncover that? What sort of questions do you ask people? Like, is it just like, okay, why are we here? Do you sort of go about reverse engineering? How do you sort of uncover these blind spots? Yeah, a lot of questions. So usually um, a blind spot can be something where someone has something and there can be two types. There can be a blind spot in your psyche and there can also be a blind spot in your business. So a blind spot Mm. in your business could be something where you're completely blind to an opportunity where you're not making money or you're completely blind to where there's something blocking you from growth and you don't see it. And then within your psyche, it can be a similar thing where you're actually blind of, you know, your own behavior playing out in something. So a prime example, of that what I would use is when I say to people would you associate as being a liar and people always say no god I'm not a liar and I say when was the last time a friend asked to catch up with you and you lied about why you couldn't go and then they're like oh okay so it's bringing in the awareness of their inability to see where they lie where they manipulate where they're out of integrity where they're out of congruency and it's bringing conversations and mirroring things so they can actually see that and when they can actually see it they can start alchemizing it so they can actually become someone who comes into more honesty more congruency more integrity and then with the business as well it's seeing where they're potentially missing opportunities so a lot of questions back and forth um and it's just digging and it's so individual and depends on the person but just questions 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 and it's really getting them to see their own blind spot not necessarily me reflecting it so i think it's literally what we spoke about with josh we did a podcast yeah was it yesterday so, yes sunday sunday with with uh, josh jones and he the biggest take home from that was again like you said self-awareness if you can see and you you're made aware from the outside looking in of what's actually going on then yeah i feel like again i'm just gonna use my own experience here in the pt space Nine out of ten times a client knows the issue and the answer. But you get like we from the outside looking in need to uncover that and just dig deep, like you said. So I think it really comes down to <coughs> questioning the question. I feel like that's a big one. I spoke to a coach once in regards to self-awareness because I kept asking the question, like, what about people who are not even at that level to become like to be self-aware and to know what they're going through and to identify what their issues are? There's some people out there that are just like in a in a rut that don't know what to do in their personal life or what to do in their professional life. And I asked the question, I was like, "How did? what do you do in that situation? And then they, this coach sort of said, those people need to go through what they need to go through to become, it's almost like with some people, there's no point in progressing them because they're not at that point where they'll listen. Is that true? Um, I would say that there's certain conversations that people may not be ready to hold and things like that. And and there's stepping stones of people's journey of of integrations to go through. So something I do a lot of, for example, is shadow work. And I wouldn't do shadow work potentially with a client that doesn't know what manifestation or an affirmation or the very, very fundamentals of self-care and self-awareness. If someone had no self-awareness, then I'm doing ego work with them before I can do shadow work with them. So I believe there are levels of integration people can go through. But I also believe that sometimes people can just like very naturally elevate through those levels and things like that too. Yeah. Okay. So a big one that you actually touched on uh, before was just, are they ready for that? So one thing, I, again, I had a look through your social media and that sort of thing. And I've seen it from a lot of other business coaches and mindset coaches is that you can't like make more money or project big things, et cetera, if you're not ready. So are you going through trauma? Are you still healing from a relationship? Is your relationship with money really shit? Have you gone through past things that are actually, like you said, your psyche holding you back from actually doing it? How important do you think that is? 
I think it's massive. So I think there's two things. There's people that potentially make a shitload of money and build very, very big businesses without looking at anything. And then there's people that they can't build the business if they don't look at the thing. So looking at your staff and doing the internal work, it's not always the answer of why you are or aren't making money, but it can be one part of the equation. But what I would argue of the people that are making a lot of money and building big businesses without doing that is how do you feel? building the business? How do you feel making the money? Do you feel burnt out? Do you feel exhausted? Do you feel out of integrity? Do you feel like bored? Are you, you know, lacking passion? Like you can make money and feel like shit while doing it. Mm. So I I believe there's always benefit to doing deeper inner work because it changes your relationship to your business. It changes your relationship to money and it allows you to feel more expanded while you're doing it. Or for the other people that are struggling to get off the leaping pad, usually it can be a lot of emotional or internal blocks as to as to why they're not growing as well. We spoke <clears throat> we spoke quite a bit about that whole situation because Josh was sort of telling us and even I've seen it firsthand, there's a lot of people that have got a lot of money and they're just empty inside because, again, they haven't done that work inside. So we were sort of talking about like where does it, again, sort of answering the question that you've just answered, where does it sort of come in? would you do that first or then make the money first or how, like, how do you do it? I would always say both simultaneously. Like, and and sometimes I believe that everyone has a different journey to go down and it's going to look different for other people where it's like, sometimes people make more money before they even come into awareness that there's, there's a problem. So I think everyone should be doing inner work for as early as they possibly can. Like from the youngest age they possibly can, I think you're going to make, you know, life's going to feel a lot more fulfilling. You're going to be less reactive. Your ego is going to flare up less. You're going to have deeper relationships. You're going to feel better while making money. Like I just think, the the benefits of working on yourself is actually endless like I don't actually see any cons to that 100% I completely agree and I was watching a video on social media I'll touch on that later um one thing I wanted to touch on and ask you quickly before I forget is as a coach when you're getting into the field obviously you're not have you don't have any backing or history of you know services that you've provided in the past how do you go about that when you're starting off in the coaching industry in terms of charging and creating that confidence for someone to pick you as a coach when you don't have anything to lean on yeah so I believe that people can rely on how you lead yourself like what what are you doing in your life what have you alchemized transcended achieved like what are you doing like I think sometimes we can utilize ourselves as our biggest testimonials and sometimes we are our biggest testimonial right when when we've been through and done it Um, and then I also think being in integrity with your pricing it's so funny I had a conversation my friends in the industry as well and we talk about how in the coaching industry now like there's a lot of fucking entitlement like I hope I can swear Um, there's a (laughs) lot there's a lot of (laughs) (laughs) great Um, there's a lot of entitlement in the space because I think a lot of people is seeing the coaching industry now there's a lot of money a lot of big cash people coming in and going okay oh my god cool I can just do 50k months I can just do 100k months and you know they're charging ridiculous pricing and mind you I'm $35,000 for private I, I charge high ticket but I believe that I've earned the ability to be there when I started out coaching in the online space I was $25 a week fucking hell a week and and I was willing to really meet myself where I was at at that time and then it grew and it grew and it grew I clocked up so many coaching hours 
before my prices went up. And now why my private prices are so high is my business isn't built off private clients. My business is built off courses, programs, masterclasses and and privates and overflow. Do you think it's important to, and this is with anything in business as well, and Krim and I are talking about this all the time. When you have a product or a service, we, we take the notion of you charge something and if you're getting business on that service or product at least twice and repetitively, then you up the price. And then again, if you're getting that again twice, then you up it again. And then you go until you find that point where you are getting some rejection. You either have to change your service to a point where you want it to charge more or, you know, aspect. What are your thoughts on that? Is that how you should sort of do it as a coach? Like, all right, I've had this many clients, this many clients, this is what I've charged. I'm going to increase that now. Should you start off at a lower level then build? Because again, you, the words you're sort of saying is like people just come in the industry and like, all right, I'm a coach now, 50 grand a month. Like this is what I'm charging. Mm, I feel like pricing has so many things at play. It's very, very individualized. I think it comes down to personal experience, integrity, like how much you're investing in yourself, how much actual experience you've clocked up coaching hours. Like, as I said, like I've clocked up hundreds of of coaching hours. Um, so there's so many different things at play. And I really feel like for pricing, there's even like the brand conversation. You price yourself too low. It shifts how your brands perceive you price yourself too high. You're potentially not getting the clients in to get the experience. Like I, I really think it's a very personal thing where you're navigating. What's my experience? What's my mission? What's my desire? So even with some things you might say, okay, I don't care if this doesn't sell out. I care about who's buying it or who's coming into the offer and the right person coming in. So I'm happy to charge more and potentially have people less. Then someone else could come in and say, okay, I'm not worried about having the perfect client yet. I'm I'm worried about getting big brand awareness around this offer, around this product. I want it to be really, really known um, and for people to experience it. I'm going to go lower, really, really kind of go wide. And then I've got more awareness around it. And then I can start upping the pricing and things like that. So it's really based more by the sounds of it targeting on the individual or targeting on your business strategy yeah targeting on the business strategy and personal experience i think what you said is big it's it really comes down to what you want so you can go low price and get just go volume and make your money that you can make a million dollars that way or you can charge more with half the amount of clients and make a million dollars but again usually as again generally speaking in business high ticket items usually attract higher value customers who want to stay with you for longer actually want to invest because if you're paying if you're paying $25 a week for business coaching they're probably going to do fuck all as well they're probably not going to be invested because what's $25 pretty much a, a first year apprentice could probably afford that and they're probably not going to do much in terms of actually investing and listening to what you say to actually grow their business sorry I'm laughing yep no, no, no I'm just I'm sort of laughing internally because um I, I've taken a massive shift in my personal work too with real estate I we usually go in, especially in a market we're in at the moment, it's quite competitive. So you have to really like a lot of agents are like, oh, I'll do it for 1%. I had a shift recently where it's just like, I've had a tremendous amount of success in my area. And I walked in, they're like, oh, what do you charge commission? We've had agents come in. What what do you charge? I just said, like, I'm, I charge 2%. When you say it with confidence and they're like, oh, 2%, we got quoted 1.1%. I was like, yeah, that's okay. I said, I you know, I know what. I can Based, deliver. Yeah, I can deliver. I said, you you literally, you get what you pay for. It's There's no ifs or buts. It's 2%, Mr. and Mrs. Vendor, or thank you for your time. I appreciate it, but that's my fee. Like conviction such a big thing. Yep. I love that. And I, I really think about it when you want to, you know, hustle on your price. I always think about, do you want someone that's investing in you because you're the cheapest? 
or do you want someone investing in you because you're the best for the job? 100%. And it's also got that thing too. And obviously, you know, to the coaching world, if, if I'm negotiating on my price, I'm then negotiating on your result. Yeah. I'm, I'm compromising. I've compromised on my commission. They'll then compromise on your result. That's my price. And as a coach, if I compromise on price or if you're paying for a cheap coach, you're compromising on your on your result. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you this story. It's a really old story and I'm going to butcher it because I can't remember what the exact analogy is, but let's just play with it. So there's a, a man who has a boat and the boat engine breaks and he calls someone out to come and fix it and they charge $1,000 and they come out and they can't work it out. They can't fix it. The engine's still broken and they leave. So he calls someone else out to try and fix it. It's $1,000 and they still can't fix it. The third person comes out pulls out a hammer, goes tap and it's working and he hands over the quote and it's for $10,000 and he says $10,000 you didn't even do anything all you did was tap it why are you charging so much and he said because I knew where to tap so it's this really really cool analogy where it's like sometimes price is like you can pay what you want but sometimes you're paying people because they know where to tap 100% 100%. one of the big things again going through your social media you said is I wrote it down it says you said the more you try and get there to the end goal, the more you want to throw in the towel. Mm. And I really, really like align with that a lot. It's like the more you try and push, you're almost going a bit like you're almost hitting the limit. And it's like I, now I'm sort of over a little bit. And then you said, and then I wanted to ask you like, where does that sense of urgency come from? And again, I always make the link back to Gary V, who's always like, you patience, take time, take it, let it take you 15 years to become successful. Where, where do you think this urgency comes from? Like, I just want to make it like now, like why aren't I seeing the fruits of how I did a 60 hour week? Why aren't I rich yet? I feel like a lot of people get swept up in, and again, I do a lot of ego work in, in my business and what I do. So a lot of concept of self stuff. And what I would observe is a lot of people really, really lack the patience because they want the thing for what they think that thing's going to say about themselves or how they're going to look or who they're going to get to present themselves as. So someone that lacks, you know, they don't feel enough. They don't feel important. They don't feel significant. They don't feel wanted. They often think that when I get this, then I'll be worthy. Then I'll be enough then people will like me then people will see me as successful or accomplished. is that not insecurity well it is yeah it's 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 wanting <clears> something <throat> external to actually fulfill you, who you are Hold and you, you you want you think that that thing is going to say something about you and, and finally earn you you know it, it all usually comes down to acceptance and things like like most things do um whereas i feel like a lot of people that um do things not just for the outcome, but for the pure passion of, of the drive towards it. I would, I would like, that's my next point. So a sort of a shift away from the business. I'd love to touch on ego yeah, and getting the depths of that because I've done a bit of work on it myself and have my own concept of what ego is and how it plays a part into all of us. But if you were to define ego, how would you define it? And is ego good? Or is it bad in your perspective? Uh, so to answer the last question first, it's both. Um, so in in terms of defining ego, your ego is really your personal sense of identity. So it's your I am, your I'm not, I'm good at this, I'm not good at that. If you were to say any <coughs> I am statement, that's basically your ego. So your ego is the construct of yourself and how you view yourself. And it's also the construct of how you view the world and relate to the world. So also your moral compass, what's good, what's bad. It's, it's all of that. So it's all of that concept tied up together. 
And then really with what we, what the most important thing to understand about the ego is the ego doesn't want to change. So the ego finds safety in repetitiveness, routine, security, stability, sameness, not being challenged and things like that. So where there's a problem of where the ego can be bad is it's very, very hard to change your personality, your identity, your habits, your routines and things like that when your ego is doing everything in its power for you to not change. Where the ego can be good though is if we don't have an ego and a sense and understanding of ourselves, and we don't have language and articulation to who we are, it's very, very hard to navigate life, business, career, relationships because what kind of person are you attracted to? Agreed. And heading essentially, and this is my perspective on it too, if you go to the gym to work out, that's that's somewhat of your ego controlling that because you want to look good because it's your ego saying yep. you you need to look good. I want to make a business. I want to make a successful business and prove a point. That's somewhat your ego, whether it's for the good or the bad. And that's why the battle comes into it is if my perspective on it is you've got your ego and it's good and bad. You're spot on. There's the good parts. There's the bad parts. Then you've got, you know, like your heart and your soul, which is a completely different thing. So again, on that, on that scale, you've got your good and your bad. You've got your soul. That's just like, you know, I love this person, I love doing this, love doing this. And you go, you go, why the fuck would you waste time doing that? You know, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And that's when I think the bad of the ego comes in and you need to learn how to balance it because if you lose it completely, and it's a very, very fucking powerful thing in us as humans, the ego, and it can take over and take control and you completely lose sight of your soul side and you completely lose sight of the important things. And I think that's probably mentioning those rich people who made it and are empty inside is because the ego's taken over that individual and they don't have that soft side to them where you know you have to enjoy life you have to enjoy time with the family you have to enjoy the, the good things in life you have to enjoy the journey because it takes over yeah it's like doing things for the the wrong the wrong, the wrong reason. reasons and Correct. i think like with a with ego this the biggest thing i say is you'll do great if you have an awareness of it and you can see when it's at play, but you also don't dismiss it and like try to not have an ego because trying to not have an ego is ego. And <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's a bit so of an ego inception. I know. So it's really bringing it back into this is who I am in the present moment. So you're in this moment of this is who I identify as. This is who I view myself as. So I can make decisions that align with my current concept of myself. But I also trust and know that that's just within my awareness. And I also have the power to change it. Mm, okay very interesting how did you get into the ego and everything and and studying that and learning learning about it because it's not an easy thing to learn and it's something that constantly you know we always learn and develop as humans so how did you get in touch with the whole ego aspect of business and coaching it's so funny when people ask me that because it's like I have a whole seven-week course on it's like ego shadow work concept of self triggers projections like all of this stuff and it's like I didn't learn it from this any one thing so it's like I've done you know like a couple of like study and qualifications and things like that a lot of podcasts reading books working with my own coaches it's like such an accumulation of things that I've learned through self-study things that I've learned through qualifications things I've listened to like a lot of that and then also 
doing work on myself where like practically executing it in real life and things like that as well. Um, I don't know if you guys are into human design, but I'm like a, a one three, if you ever know much about that. But basically that's um, part of me. I'm really, really good at, I'm the investigator. So I want to read, learn, have all the answers. I love all that shit. Feel like I know it all. But then I've also got a three, which is the experience art, which is I don't want to just know from reading books. I want to experience yeah, it myself. It. So a lot of my knowledge has come to a lot of self-awareness stuff and, and um, seeing my own ego at play, being able to pick up on that, build my own self-awareness and, and then learning that way as well. I love that. Uh, and I, like it really comes down to, like you said, being self-aware, knowing what you want, knowing what the desired outcome is, reverse engineering it and finding that it all comes from within. Yeah. You can't seek for external validation. You can't think that if I just hire Jesse, that it's going to fix my issues. She's going to know. She's going to see. She's going to tell what your issues are and she's going to tell you how you can unpack them. Mm. She doesn't fix the issue. She doesn't say, oh, your ego is broken. Here, drink this. She goes, you need to ask yourself these questions. You need to start doing this on your business. And that reflects from the inside out and then helps you move forward. One thing before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you is for those in business, for those wanting to work on their mindset, all that sort of thing, what's, what's like your number one thing that goes, you know, I feel like this really helps most people. Ego work. Um, <laughs> like honestly, and shadow work off of that, but you need to do a lot of ego work in order to be able to shadow work. But I honestly believe when you learn about yourself and you discover yourself, how you're going to be able to move, articulate yourself, make decisions, show up, like everything's going to change. Like everything's going to evolve from that. I feel like every, that in itself can help your business. Let's use the word here loosely again, scale your business so well. Cause it, like you said, if you know how to make decisions, if you know how you feel in speaking to people or asking for a certain price, you know how you react to certain situations, then you can put yourself in good situations where you're lack of a better word here, the alpha or like you can be in control in that situation and then you can keep moving forward. I think that it all ties in with personal development and you know, Listen Oscar yourself. said the same thing. We asked Oscar a question if you lost everything, what would you do? And he didn't even say anything really about money or anything like that. He just said, I would work on myself. Have that down pat first. And then once you do that, you just, you're on your way. I agree. Yep. I agree. Yeah. All personal development. That would be, and I've seen that time and time again with myself, with clients, with Oscar, like anyone I know, the more awareness they come into themselves, everything just builds off of that. It's crazy to see, isn't it? Mm. Alrighty, Jesse, thank you so much. For those who aren't already following Jesse on Instagram, please do so, Jesse Williams. If you need a mindset coach, business coach, try and fix yourself first. And if you're still stuck, <laughs> shoot her a message. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Thank you very much for joining us today and we'll catch you guys soon. Thank you, Jesse. Thanks for having me.